0: I'm Drew Miller, and you're listening to The Second Muse, How Songs Become Songs, brought to you by the Rabbit Room Podcast Network. Today I am joined by Jordi Searcy and Lucas Morton. Geordie Searcy is outstanding at his craft. A razor sharp songwriter and smooth guitarist with an unmistakable voice, his performances are dramatic, immersive, and intimate. Whether he's shouting or whispering, the urgency with which he approaches his songs leaves you with no choice but to engage and listen. Most recently, he recorded an EP called Dark in the City, a succinct and profound meditation on the cultural shifts he observes in his home city of Nashville, Tennessee. He recorded this EP with his colleague and dear friend, Lucas Morton. Lucas has devoted his work to serving the song at every point and his attentiveness to the magic every song has to offer shines through in his engineering work on Dark in the City. In this episode, we focus specifically on Jordy's song, Explaining Jesus. so if if each of you had to describe your relationship to this voice of um, resistance or obstruction or whatever you want to call it the second muse how' would you
1: how'd you characterize your relationship to it i had I was talking about this with a friend a month ago or so, and uh they brought up the the fact that this uh perfectionism or this un- deep unsatisfaction with our art that all artists seem to have. Um, the It's not done, it's not perfect, it must be better, it doesn't achieve what I want it to, um, is actually a gift, is actually the most important part of what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's our desire to make something good and to redeem the world in the space of three minutes or in the space of a painting. Um and to make something that's not right, right. And like this unrest within us to always be doing that, I think is, so if I, if I had to characterize that second muse, uh, which says always it's not right, it's not good enough. It could be better. You know, Mm -hmm. those are hard words to hear. Um, but especially hard words to hear every day about everything you do. But, um, I think I'd characterize that as a, just as, as a wise friend, you know, the second muse says this could be better. This could be perfection. And eventually the second muse will be satisfied whenever we all go home, I think. Um, but, uh, but yeah, all of our attempts to satisfy that second muse are just little steps towards heaven. Mm Hmm. Yeah.
0: That's beautiful. Mm. Yeah. It's like, it it sounds stingy at first Mm. as like a character, but really it's a voice of love. That's right. Um, has a greater wisdom like you're talking about yeah Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm
2: -hmm.
0: what about you Lucas
2: Uh, well there's definitely older wiser more experienced producers that could probably say this with a lot more passion and a lot more uh, true belief but I'm learning I think the fact that the second muse for me kind of just comes by way of the willingness to Release and to to let go when it's time to let go. You and the artists really know very intimately the process that it took to go through the recording of this song, <laughs> um, and you two, maybe the only two that know, and no. those who were involved in the making of. But um, the cool thing is kind of watching how something that seems so imperfect to us reaches an audience and is mm-hmm. able to connect with them in a way that you just never really yeah. anticipated you know it just kind of happened mm-hmm. yeah. and, um, and that's always such a huge surprise because uh, you know during the whole recording process we both have I mean Jordi and I have lives you know we have family we have friends we have Things, unexpected, you know, car problems that mm-hmm. we have to try to pay for, but, you know, we're musicians, so we try to find some other means mm-hmm. of income that just doesn't really <laughs> <laughs> yeah. line up with our original. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, yeah, so I think just releasing and kind of letting it, letting it happen is, is the biggest thing and not getting too caught up in, in each and every moment.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. We're going to zero in on explaining Jesus as the mm. song that we're we're giving our attention.
3: If you're gay and over 85, and you've fought for your whole life, that when God made you, you just messed up. You've been raised a southern belle, born and bred for show and tell, but you lie down feeling never good enough. Mm. I'm so sorry for how it's been. We're broken artists with broken pens. We paint our pride and call it true. I'm sorry no one explained Jesus to you.
0: Before we continue, a special word of thanks to our sponsor, Lipscomb University. Lipscomb is a nationally ranked research university located in Nashville. They are an intentionally courageous and gracious Christian community. At Lipscomb, you engage top-quality academics integrated with faithful spiritual direction, preparing you for your life's work. Learn more at lipscomb.edu. And now, back to our podcast. Where did Explaining Jesus come from? And was it one of these songs that you're talking about where, as you were first writing it, you thought,
1: oh, this can't be a song I should... Sing. It uh it yeah. definitely it definitely was to back up I think I think I, I was in a state of a few months prior, kind of lamenting how many how or how few rather how few songs um, that I saw really describing the character of God in beautiful ways with as many skilled songwriters as we have in this town, mm-hmm. um, and the best thing that there is to describe, and so I th- I think I'd been I'd written a couple of songs. I were kind of in that vein, um, just out of, out of thinking about that. And then I prayed for a song kind of like that, or just I remember asking God, kind of, you know, allow me to write something like that. What would that look like? Um, and then a few months later, I just kind of not th- remembering that, I wrote the hook, kind of discovered the hook as you do, um, and then yeah. filled out the rest of the song over the course of like four or five months, I think. I When I wrote the song, I remember thinking... Um, it's like, well, I'm not like a Christian artist. I before before this, I didn't, I didn't like write about my faith really. Mm-hmm. Um, I would probably go as far to say I had, you know, spiritual themes or or read, rather like biblical principles in my songs, um, um, you know, stories of redemption and things like that. Um, but I like, but whenever I wrote that, I was like, oh this is probably one of my favorite things i've ever written and it has jesus in like the title of the song i was like and i didn't really think too hard about it whether i really wanted to go for it cuz it felt so important i think that's a i think that's a gift and a drawback of mine is like when i find something that's good it's like oh we should just do that nothing else matters which is not true but sometimes <laughs> it works i got the hook and then sifting through all those verses was a process of me um thinking through friends of mine, stories that I have heard and and people that I knew and each line in there um, is like a little mini vignette of somebody that i come in contact with or myself in a few of the cases. Um, That one took a while. I I think I wrote 80% of the song um, in maybe the span of an hour and the last 20% took a few months which Mm -hmm. is kind of the case with me. Mm -hmm. I'll write most of the song up front and then to really settle it into where where I want it, it takes a while. Um, yeah. And then with the amazing grace part at the end, um, which is an idea I had kind of probably within the first couple of months of working on the song, um, I I think I think I would in the writing of the song, you know, there's the obvious question of the hook of oh well, then who is Jesus? you know, if all these things are not representations of who God is and what love truly is then what is it? Um, and I'm definitely not a good enough songwriter to write that. <laughs> I was like, no, nah, I ain't, I ain't going to try that. It's not going to work. Um, so I left it as a question, and the only really response that I could have to that was, I was once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but now I see, um, which I really, I think is the, the closest thing that maybe we as people can come to explain and love God is, well, I mean, we have the Bible. We have these examples, but really, um, if we're going to explain what Jesus did for us in any real, tangible way, the only way we can do that is, well, I am healed now. I'm loved now, and this is this is what happened to me, and the same can happen for you. So, hmm. yeah, that was kind of where the songwriting came from. I wrote a ton of songs that summer trying to find the songs for the tour, and I wrote two of the songs that are on the record like three weeks before we left. Um, just kind of as like, oh well, yeah. I like we had rehearsed means because we, me and Scooter were traveling as a duo at that point, and so we had rehearsed a bunch, of, tried out a bunch of different things, and it was like, oh, I mean, these are cool, sure, whatever, but they don't really grab me. And then like, I finished those two like right at the end of the summer, and it was like, oh well, I guess these are the ones we're doing. So, <laughs> what, what were those two? <laughs> um, there's one called uh, "Always Almost" that's on the record, yeah, um, and then that song explaining Jesus came like right before we left for 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 the road. And we like hadn't really rehearsed them. I was just like, these are better man, we should do these. (laughs) He's like, yeah, let's do these.
0: Oh, I love that. Mm. I feel like a thread through all of that is this dialogue between your plans and then having them Mm -hmm. just subverted by Mm. the spirit of the song or whatever it is you're trying to find. So Mm. that's really lovely to hear how like you're being so responsible and like rehearsing and Trying to find whatever mm. whatever's there, and it'll always just blindside you at the right. end <laughs> in ways that you couldn't have
1: True. anticipated. A really good mantra that I learned from a producer I worked with a few years back um, is whenever like he would just like look at all the circumstances of recording, and then like when something good would happen, he'd be like, "It's better, let's do that." <laughs> you know, <Yeah. laughs> and he just always like went for what works. Mm. Yeah. I think in songwriting that that's a that's an asset for sure yeah
0: it sounds like what Lucas was saying earlier too about being open and mm. willing to to yeah. entertain those ideas
2: yeah it's like as I get more uh comfortable with the role of producer, I am starting to like incorporate my own kind of uh foundation and understanding of how I like want myself to be perceived by the artist and mm-hmm. how I want them to feel comfortable and, and stuff the best way that I know is to explain it and I've told Jordy this a bazillion times mm-hmm. but like you're giving me your baby right you know it's your baby mm-hmm. i didn't birth this you you know it's your thing mm-hmm. i'm just cradling it to adolescence You know, I want to see it grow up to be a successful young man or woman. (laughs)
1: Um, Yes, a young person. I I remember you saying that early on. I was like, "That's a great picture. I love that." Well, it just it makes the most sense to me, Mm -hmm. Um, and it made me feel very comfortable as the artist too. I was like, "Oh, that's how I see this too."
2: Yeah, 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 totally. Uh, It helps the both of us the better it does. But Mm -hmm. like, it it's it's your it's your creation, you know. And that's maybe one thing that I I wish that. You know, as a producer in a larger community of producers, we could all kind of realize that we are we are there for the artist. You know, like that. That's kind of the 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 reason why we do what we do is because we love music. Like the best way that I know how to explain it is like I'm such a fan of other people's music that I don't focus on my own. It's just so cool to be like it's such a light bulb. When you hear a song like that, it gets me thinking about parts. It gets me thinking like, let's track it here. Let's get these people to play on it. You know, oh my gosh, like let's just think about this and let's like have some fun. And the cool thing about each song on the record was that the fact that we did kind of like spread it out over time, and he did the the singles releases before we released the EP was that each season of which we recorded each song had its own circumstances, Mm -hmm. and it had its own vibe. You know, just the things that were going on in those times. The other thing was, uh, you know, after talking about it with Jordy, we decided to cut it on two-inch tape. Mm -hmm.
0: Um, Which meant, like, hey... Commitment. Commitment. So, for people who don't Hmm. understand two-inch tape, just like a explanation of the limits that are um, part of that decision sure so in today's world
2: you got uh, you know digital audio workstations like Pro Tools and Logic where you can just playlist and playlist and playlist vocal take after vocal take after vocal take guitar take all the instruments like you could just get as many different iterations as you want and then at the very end kind of file it all together make vocal comps Of different parts Um, and then that's what you hear in the final product a lot of times is kind of the Frankenstein of many different takes Mm -hmm. Um, but we've gotten away from I think this uh, the way things used to happen which was kind of like go in slay it feel confident about it imperfections and all and um, call it the take and the tape realm, that's what you get, you know, it's, you only have so much reel of tape and then also you have so much, uh, patience to be able to like transfer that, those takes that you got on that tape back to Pro Tools so you can mix it. Having said that, uh, everything you heard on, uh, the master, the final version of Explaining Jesus was a one take of the vocal, a one take of the guitar, a one take of the piano. Um, so you didn't end up subbing
1: any. There were maybe. some. There were a few. There were some vocal subs. Yeah. But what I really, really enjoyed about cutting vocals to tape, and if I, you know, should I be able to afford it, it would, I would record every vocal this way. But whenever you you get the full take, and we kind of we got to, we, we got one that was like oh, that was a good full take. Yeah. Um, and then if I w- would wanted to go in and change anything about that take, it would be erasing that take so like you have to make the decision as you're tracking will i be able to sing it better than that because mm. if i don't and i mess, can't do it that again mm. then i'm gonna lose that Yeah. so it was a really really good for me to think like okay is that what i want on my record right now mm. yep that is that's is so this, cool yeah. you
0: know and i think that connects in so many awesome ways to the conversation of working with the song and it being alive Mm. (laughs) because um i think uh we have this understanding that freedom in a relationship even with a human is limitlessness you know like i can have infinite choice of Mm. anything i want to do i'm completely free and so digital recording gives you that limitlessness of but it's also paralyzing right like yeah. you there's n- there's nothing at all getting in the way of your designated path so you can just contrive your way through the whole thing oh, Yeah. whereas if you're constantly being faced by just the element of a physical like physical reel of tape <laughs> um, and recording to tape mm. and these very real tangible decisions of yeah. like this vocal is on this piece of tape. Like I will either record over it or it will remain Yeah. like just being presented with those questions. All of a sudden your faithfulness to the song, your faithfulness to the recording is, um, Mm. sort of determined by, and your freedom is Mm. conditioned by Mm. your ability to make those decisions Mm. and Mm. know which one's best. Yeah. Um, so that's a whole new ball game of oh, being able right. to, to be free in the relationship to the song and the relationship yeah. to the recording. Dude, totally. And i so. think
1: in like, the more I make things, the more I realize that I, I don't care as much about making something good as I care about making something that is me, you yeah. know? Mm. So, like, when you're cutting the tape, it's a, it's a pretty real picture of what I sing like, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. With imperfections totally. Totally. and But whenever like, I listen to that back, it's like,
0: that's me. Yeah. And yeah, it's recognizable.
2: Man, I tell you what—the cool thing about me coming into this project uh, was that I had already been playing with Jordy for several mm-hmm. months prior, right? Live, yeah. And every night that I would play with him, he would unplug his guitar from the stage and he'd go out into the middle of the audience and perform, explaining Jesus. And it didn't matter if it was a bar or a congregation; everybody would come to a hush. Yeah. And when he would come to the Amazing Grace outro, everybody be singing along. And it was the most amazing thing. It was just like, I want to capture that vulnerability. Like, he was very, he's very vulnerable every single time he does that. Mm-hmm. And he's barefoot for goodness' sake. <laughs> like that's another thing yeah. you got to know. He's not going to wear shoes when you watch him. Mm-hmm. So I'm wearing uh, flip flops right now. He's I'm wearing flip flops. Right I'm feeling a Dude. little uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. I <don't> know. But <laughs> so I don't know. Like I it just got me giddy about like how do I how do I approach this? Um, but here I'll play the um, I'll just play the master version.
3: If you've been raised a Southern belle, born and bred for show and tell. But you lie down feeling never good, and I came in here. I'm so sorry for how it's been with broken artists, with broken pens. We paint our pride and call it truth. I'm sorry, no one explained Jesus to you.
2: This point we added, like. Jordy does this like looping thing on stage mm-hmm. uh, where he sings into his guitar and creates kind of this awesome breathy pad thing yeah so we recorded that going in and that's this next section was
3: kind of padded by that was a pastor that just wanted to be right if you really want to pray to but you're never sure he's listening. Cause who could forgive what you did last night? I'm so sorry for what you've heard. We're broken poets. With silly words. We paint the so genders. Yeah. Can we solo the strings? Call yeah, the truth. I'm sorry no one So this part is the
2: bridge. I'll go ahead and solo the strings. So we had some pizzicato um, stuff.
1: Play the, the strings at the end. Yeah, let's just this end is. with that. We
0: can listen to that and hmm. uh, conclude cool. there. This episode was recorded and engineered by Asher Peterson. For more episodes of The Second Muse and for more great podcasts, visit rabbitroom.com slash podcasts. Thanks for listening.